Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Big day for the workhorse. It's first MOT. 200,000 miles on the clock. I'm getting the word. Failed. If this passes the MOT, it's the fucking game's bent. The, the MOT game's bent. The brake light doesn't work. I, I think a brake light's at least two worries. Who we got this week? Mr. David Lee. Very? Yes. Southampton. Bolton. Sure, we miss yeah, a team. Definitely miss a team. Very. Southampton, Wigan. Bolton, Wigan, Wigan. Wigan. We're excellent. That's why you're here, Matty. Yeah. Like, do you know in this car? I've just seen that. I've just seen that mechanic roll his eyes as he pulled out car. Wishes, wishes luck, back. lads. It's not you. It's luck. It's the big dog. Yeah. <laughs> What's he going here, by the way? I'm like, just smell that. Yeah. What? Bright window down. Past you, Who the fucking hell sold him this heap of shade? Have you sold him this? <laughs> uh, I bet you could not believe your luck, could you, when he took this off your hands? If he wants this, then that's up to him. Oh, not taking pictures. Alright. Bit of an hero of mine today. Well, about 23 mine started going. Yeah. All started falling out, and I used oh, to think... Oh, I wasn't thought, expecting you that. Thought, and I used David to think, Lee David Lee <laughs> used to rock it. He rocked it in the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> He's fine. I'm happy, I'm happy with that. <laughs> you were the same as me. thing is going down the Bolton rule, didn't you? <laughs> not, that, not that you were bowled before me. Oh, what an asshole. What a hero, eh? Were you never a drinker for all throughout your career? Never? No. Still not no, now? I don't drink at all. Never no, have Never or... touch it, no. When I was a young lad, 17, 18, and this is a true story, I remember going out, I'd signed as an apprentice at Berry. I'd signed then as a pro when I was 17, and I had in the dressing room the people like of the likes of Sammy McElroy, uh, Leighton James, Trevor Ross, Alan Taylor. And after every game... Um, Sam Ellis used to make all the players have a drink. So you had to have a drink before you could go home when you played for Sam. And then I remember going out with the lads on a Saturday night and having a few beers and Sam had us in on the Sunday morning and we had to be in for training and I was useless because I'd had a drink at 17 years of age. And I said to myself, if I'm going to be a pro and a decent pro, I can't do this. So from that day, I never have a drink. And I don't touch it now. And it doesn't bother me. Yeah. No. But that must have taken some some willpower as a young lad with the players that you've had around oh, you. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, uh, but do you know what? At first, the players would take the mickey out. You say, hey, "Come on, have a drink." Blah blah blah. But the more you didn't, the more they respected it, and it was just the norm then. Yeah. And it's been that throughout my career. And even we had some fantastic times at Bolton, but never anybody said, "Oh, come on, have a drink, have a drink." They just respected you for not having a drink. But I was always there and always having the parties with them and doing whatever we were doing. You must have been class to go out because you could drop everybody <laughs> I, I off. Had to, I, had to, I was a taxi man and I had to look after everybody's money. <laughs> Make sure everybody had enough money for a drink and to get, and to get home at night. <laughs> but the one or two people like Tony Kelly, I couldn't get home. I had to leave him, <laughs> leave him out, pick him up in the morning. I've never seen him so passionate. He just keeps saying, watch that Liverpool game. Do you know that's get... 31 years ago? That. Yeah. So I've still got that shirt and no word of a lie, only two weeks ago I had it framed because it's been in the cupboard for 30 years. That's one of them <laughs> when you pull it out and it's gone mothballs. Yeah, and now it's, I've had it professionally framed. I've got it in a room at home, but it's took me 31 years yeah. to get it done. I still haven't have watched, watched it. it? No, I haven't watched it. No. what happened. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming you did well. 31 years ago, I can't remember. <laughs> you want a shirt robbery at Anfield? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You watch it. Will you put that down as your best single performance in a game? I think as a t from a team performance as well, yeah, everything just seemed to click. And I think the ironic thing was we played them in the FA Cup at Burnham Park. Everybody expected us to get trounced against Liverpool. We got to the game and the pitch was absolutely frozen solid. Everybody said that the undersoil heating had broken, but I think the, the grounds were told not to put it on. So it was a it was a leveller because the Liverpool players come out and soon as was going mad, this game should be off. And then we ended up joined two all. And Graham Soonis after the game said the game should never have been played. But now it is, the hard work's been done. We'll take them back to Anfield. And Bruce Rayock came in on the following morning with the newspaper and he pinned it up in the dressing room and said, That's your incentive when you go and play them on 13th of January. And he'd put the hard work was done at Burnham Park. We'll turn them over back at Anfield. Unfortunately, on the night, everything clicked into place for us, for us and we beat them 2 0. Brilliant. Yeah. Bottom League One at time. Yeah, we were, yeah. yeah. And that, they were the holders. FA Cup holders, weren't yeah. they? Yeah. I need to watch it now. Huh? I need to watch it now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's probably, it's probably on Betamax somewhere. <laughs> Put it in the video and rewind yeah. it. Am I right in saying that that replay paid for your transfer? Yeah, because I was on loan from Southampton at the time. Um, and. and Great from Southampton's perspective, they allowed me to play because usually you're cup tied, aren't you? But they let me play. So I played in that game. <laughs> they probably thought you were going to get dicked as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. So did we. <laughs> but um, no, then the revenue from the game at Burnden and obviously in the FA Cup, I think they split it 50-50. So the revenue from, yeah, from the Anfield then enabled them to obviously get the funds to buy me from Southampton and then it became a per I became a permanent fixture at Bolton. Yeah. Were you at Blackburn as a youngster? Schoolboy, yeah. yeah. Associate schoolboy forms then, yeah. Um, was there up to the age of 16 and then I thought I was going to get an apprenticeship but they said no. So I wasn't big enough, wasn't strong enough, wasn't quick enough um, and they, they thought I wasn't going to be given the opportunity. So I left, yeah. And at that point, were you? Yeah, you were done with football. I finished my exams at school, and me and my best mate at the time, a lad called Simon Duckworth, we were best pals at school. His parents had an association with somebody in St Ives in Cornwall, and they had a grocer's shop, and they were looking for two people to rent the apartments upstairs as a little bit of revenue. 
So Simon says to me, do you fancy going to Sentai's for a few weeks? I said, yeah, come on, let's go. So we literally booked a bus ticket each, got on the bus station at Chorley Station, went all the way to St. Ives and worked on the beaches there for a couple of months, actually like working on the deck chairs, putting the trampolines out, burying the seaweed on Portmere and Portgwyd and Beach for the punters to come on and see it nice and clean. And that was going to be my life then. I was going to work on the beaches. Beach bum. Yeah. And then no mobile phones in them days. We're back at the apartment above the shop. The lad who owned the shop, a bloke called Dave, come running upstairs. He said, David, your mum's on the phone. I said, right, I'll, call, I'll come <laughs> down. And she said, David, um, I've had Martin Dobson on the phone. Do you know who he is? I went, no. She said, oh, he's a manager of Berry. wants you to come for a trial at Berry. I went, mum, I've just got on a coach for 13 hours to get to St. Ives. I don't really fancy going all the way back to Berry for a trial because I was enjoying myself in St. Ives. <laughs> I bet you were. Yeah. I've learned, mum, I've yeah. learned to surf, honestly. I was a beach bum. <laughs> so I went back up to my mate and he said, I think you should have a go for it. I went, yeah, but it's going to cost me 20 quid. With no money, I said, it's going to cost me 20 quid to get up there. I've got to be there on a certain time, a certain day. I, I don't know if I can do it. He said, do it. So I said, all right. So I went downstairs. I said, Dave, can I use your phone again? He said, yeah, put 10p in there like that. <laughs> so I, I gave him his 10p and he said, yeah, you, you can have two minutes. That's all you can have to your mum. So I rang my mum back. I said, mum, yeah, I said, I'll do it. If you ring Martin Dobbs, she's always ringing back tomorrow to see whether he'll come up. So that's how it started. I ended up getting on a coach, came all the way back to Preston, went to Bury the following morning. So all these lads in the dressing room, Ray Pointer then come in and a lad called Steve Walsh, who then went on to be the Everton first team scout right this is the teams David you're playing on the right wing kicked off I played six minutes of the game and got brought off I waited till the end of the game because they played three 30 minute periods and, and kept swapping the teams around and I'm sat on the sideline like that after six minutes okay, I should be on beach now yeah I could have been back down what a waste of time I'm thinking. <laughs> so anyway the game finished and then I think it was Ray Pointer or Steve Walsh had his clipboard he said right everybody back to gig lane shower change thanks very much for your time so Got changed, put my bag on my shoulder. And if you know Gig Lane inside, it's a long corridor, isn't it? So I'm walking up the corridor and Ray Point and Frank Casper said, oh, Martin Dobson just wants to say thank you to you for coming up. So no problem. Went into his office. He said, right, um, David, I've seen enough. I want you to be an apprentice at this football club. I went, I've only played six minutes, Martin. Are you sure it's the right person? He went, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm doubting myself. Yeah. You're, the, you're the only ball right when you're at 16. Yeah. <laughs> he only played six speak. minutes. So he said, Yeah, we want you to, we want you to be an apprentice. We started. So it's been a good six minutes then. You well, I, only, I only think I touched the ball a couple of times. But looking back in hindsight, Steve Walsh, who was then working for Berry as a scout, was the Lancashire Schoolboys manager. And I'd play for Lancashire Schoolboys on a regular basis. Right. And he'd obviously tip Martin off to say, bring this lad in, have a quick look at him. But I think they'd already made their mind up. Before, yeah. but I Before think they, that six minutes. They wanted to test me to see whether I'd come up from St. Ives for yeah. it and see what my character was like. And you know what? It worked out fantastic for me because I went back down to St. Ives, had a couple of weeks there, packed my bags, came back, and I was in training first day of pre-season, 1st of July. 
So it was all about attitude, really, yeah. yeah. Had you been taken over down there, or...? I haven't you... done anything. So you just I, went straight oh, you've into You've got to be the one beach where you shit off all day. You've got to keep yourself in we, shit, Nick, can you? At six o'clock in the morning, we had to be up and we had to have all the deck chairs out. We had to have the trampolines out and Port Mere and Port Gwyn beaches are long beaches. <laughs> and if the tide's rough at night, there was a lot of seaweed on that. <laughs> He started at one end and I started at the other and we had to dig a two-foot trench and bury the seaweed and put the sand up so we were fit. Do you know what I mean? And that's before any of the punters came on. So, yeah, at 16 years of age, you don't think about fitness no, anyway. You just yeah. get on with it, don't you? But I was fit enough to play six minutes. <laughs> How long was it before you got your pro contract? So, as soon as I turned 17, they offered right, me a pro contract, your... yeah. When you do the YTS, you do it for two years. But when you become 17, you can sign as yeah. a pro. And then we got through my first year of YTS. And because I was a November birthday, from set, when we started again in 1st of July, as soon as November came, I was then 17, I could sign as a pro. So then they, they, they signed me as a pro, but I still did my jobs as an apprentice. Was that by choice or I just got to do them? No, get back in the reserve team dressing room. <laughs> You're not... You only come in here on a Friday morning when we're doing, uh, when we're naming the team, and you only come in if, if there's a first team meeting. Because if you went through that door and you put your head round, they say, What are you doing in here? Like, I'm with the first team today. All right, you can come in then. Well, like, Get out of here like that. It was old school, but it was a great learning curve. <laughs> are we holding your own ability wise with the first team straight away? I, I, I think so, yeah, because pros are ruthless, aren't they? If pros don't, if you don't do something right, the pros let you know and they don't give you the ball. But the more and more I got involved in it, and, and Martin Dobson was brilliant because he'd dip you in and then take you out. So I'd train two or three days a week with them and then I'd be a sub on Saturday for the first team. I'd probably get 20 minutes and then he'd put you back with the, with the under 18s again. And it was great at nurturing you through knowing when you needed to be in and when you didn't need yeah. to be and then as soon as my second year of my uh or second year of the apprenticeship was over i was in the first team dressing room so i must have been doing something right but i had good players around me good international players Noel brotherston sammy mcelroy telling you sammy mcelroy used to say like that in other words did he run run there and i'll give you the ball <laughs> and i'd run and the ball was there and i'm thinking it's simple, this. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Ellis, don't come back and tackle. I don't pay you to tackle. I pay you to get crosses in and for people to score goals. Yes, Gaffer. So you were there the five years. How long was it? Because it'll be the equivalent of League Two. How long was it where you thought, I think I can go higher here? I don't think I ever thought like that. I, I was enjoying my time at Berry, and we were doing really well. I didn't think about ever playing at a higher level. Not that I was self-doubting myself, but... I was playing with players who I, I could hold my own with. And I don't think I've got any real ambition to play higher because I was, I was comfortable where I was and I enjoyed playing in the team and we had a bit of success and I was doing okay. And it was only when I actually got thrown into it at Southampton and people said, oh, you're going to play with Matthew Letizia, you're going to play with Alan Shearer, you're going to play with Terry Erlott, you're going to play with Tim Flowers, you're going to play with Ian Dowie. And I was really naive and I'm thinking... I don't really know him. <laughs> I didn't know him. At the time, know. Alan Shearer was obviously a young yeah. lad, but he was banging the goals in for England under 21s. Matthew Letizia was a god, but I was in a goldfish bowl. 
I was lived in the northwest of England. I'd only ever been in the northwest of England, so I really didn't look outside. Never even heard of Southampton. Think I'd help you? You're a football fan. I, it helped me. Yeah. It helped me because yeah. I was going in naive, and if I'd thought about it, I'm probably thinking, God, I don't know whether I can do this. But I was thrust into it. Um, and again, just going back to Sam Ellis, I remember Sam Ellis saying to me, I'm going to give you a new contract. I said, I've still got, I don't know, 18 months left, Sam. He said, I'm going to give you a new contract. So he, he got me in one afternoon. He went, sign that. I went, no, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go on first and make sure it's all right. He said, sign it. I went, no, I'm not signing it, Sam. And he picked me up. He got, he come over to the desk where I was sat and he, he stood me up and he put me up against the wall and he picked me up against the wall, my feet off the ground in, in his office. I went, I'll sign it. <laughs> like that. But I said, just give me a minute, Sam. And I, went, I went outside and I went to Sammy McElroy. I said, Sammy, I said, Sam wants me to sign this new contract. He said, what are you getting? And I told him, he went, here's a pen, go and sign it. And he, he gave me a huge contract. And then two weeks later, he sold me to Southampton. Right. So he was looking after me because then I moved to Southampton. Obviously, there was a wage structure there. Uh, and then I'd signed, in them days, you got signing on fees. So I, all the money that I'd signed, I'd signed for, Barry gave me that when I went to Southampton. And again, he was looking after me. But was he looking after the club as well? Because obviously with the extra years on your contract, yeah. it yeah. puts more money I on the transfer fee. I think he paid either 350 or 400,000 pounds for me in 19, what, 91, something like that. A lot of money then, isn't yeah, it? It was a lot of money, yeah. But interesting negotiation tactics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the first one we've heard on fucking science. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, Sam, yeah. I'm scared to death. <laughs> Jeez, what's he going to do to me if I don't sign it? <laughs> But yeah, straight after that, we played a game against, I think it was South End on the Saturday. And then after the game, Sam pulled me and went, uh, get yourself down to Southampton on Sunday morning. I don't even know where Southampton is, Sam. <laughs> were, you a were you a football fan in terms of... Only local. Like, you wouldn't like get like equivalent like Shoot magazine or anything like that as a younger match, like... I used to get Match magazine. Yeah, My brother got Shoot magazine and I got Match magazine. It's just like not... Yeah. Like, not knowing really. who Matt Letizier is and... Like some of the players, yeah, but that... you looked at it, but then it was like water off the duck. You just, yeah, just never got on with what you were doing. It. Just got on with what I was doing, yeah. And it's only as you mature and grow older, you you understand it a little bit more. And and then I did become a football fan, but I was just enjoying myself. I didn't find it being a job. Yeah, I was just enjoying it, and I was really naive, and I just got on with it. Did you consider yourself? And I don't. You seem quite modest in your ability, but did you think were you the best player at Berry at that time? I don't say? think I never. I never thought I was good. <laughs> and, and <laughs> just to, full stop. Just good. To this day, I I don't think I was any better than anybody else. I I had the ability to run. I was fast, and yeah. I, and that was my asset. I couldn't tackle. I couldn't edit. I could deliver a ball on the run. That was my asset. The clubs and the players I played with utilized that, and. I am always been level-headed. I've always been a self-doubt of myself. When I was at school, I had a school teacher called Dave Watson, big, strong Scottish man. And I was playing in a school game at under 13 level. And my mum used to come and pick me up after the game because I couldn't get on the school bus had gone. And then she picked me up one day and I was in the car and uh, we stopped at a, a petrol station coming out of Chorley, just off Astley Road. 
and Mr. Watson was getting fuel at the same time. And my window was down. And like, you know, as a kid, like you see a school teacher like that, aren't you? I'm thinking. And he spoke to me, mum, he went, hello, Mrs. Lee. Like that. Your lad's good, he said, but he's a big head. Like that. And my mum got in the car and I said, I heard him, mum. Call me a big head. And I was mortified because previous to that, I'd got a letter from Bobby Robson, the England manager, and a signed photograph of him saying, you're doing really well at your football, blah, blah, blah. We're going to have some uh, trial games for England schoolboys. We'd like to come along. And I got this letter and, and I'm walking around the school playground with my mate. Look what I've got from Bobby Robson. And he, not, he, he clocked that. And straight away, he brought me back down to earth. And it was the best thing he ever did. Because after that, I thought, there's no way ever anybody's going to call me a big head ever again at 13 years of age. It, it hurt me. And but it, it's just normal, that though, isn't it? Yeah. I used to be going like, does anybody know this Bobby Robson? Who's <laughs> 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 Bobby Robson is who sent me this fucking letter? Yeah. I've no idea who he is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it was all on the England official paper. I'm like, that. Ah, look at this, look at that. Um, but I, ha I also have two really close mates that I call Smithy and I call Crookie. Jonathan Crook and Andrew Smith. And they've been through, they've been with me since day one from football. They've always kept me grounded. They're the best lads I could ever meet to keep my feet on the ground. You stuck with, you yeah. stuck with them throughout? Yeah, we, we now, we go out once a month because... Do you pick them up? Of course I do, taxi. <laughs> Matt Smithy loves a couple of pints, and Crookie does as well. We went for an Indian a few weeks ago and they must have down six, seven pints each and like that. Take us home, will you? Of course I will. Yeah, but, but that's what I do because I, I, I like to do that. So then mates, just keep me completely level. Yeah. And, and I love it. I really do. When you, when you talk about that, that self-doubt, how was you then when you arrived at Southampton? I mean, it's a massive move. You're going yeah. from equivalent League 2 to Premier League. Going back now. to Smithy and Crookie, Smithy is a massive football fan. Matt Letizia is there. Alan Shearer is there. Didn't mean anything to me until you start seeing the stats. Well, he's a, a legend at Southampton. He's playing for England under 21s. And Crook and Smithy used to come to Southampton to watch the, watch me play down there. Most weekends, if we were home, it, they'd come down on the Friday, they'd stay over, we'd play the game, and then we'd do something on the Saturday or the Sunday, they'd stay for the weekend. So they, they were football fans, so they used to throw all their information to me. And then I'm thinking... Oh, yeah, they're, they're not bad, these lads, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was signed to replace Matthew Letizia. Ian Bramfoot took me down and said, I'm going to get rid of Letizia, you're going to take his place. Be like, which one's Letizia? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's got my number seven shirt on there. <laughs> so then, but did that not, not really knowing, <laughs> were you just like, all right, yeah. 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 But then, Replacing like say, some Letizia When fella. the information started coming in and you're living in the town and Matthew Letizia is a god, but when I saw him play and train, it was amazing. Did you, like, that? this step up from what, oh, you, yeah. what you've seen at Berry? At Southampton, they had a huge gym. And they play, they just called it volley. And as you go in the in the sports hall, in the corner was a little door that you walked in and then it opened up. And, and it was a game they used to play, a bit of camaraderie between all the lads. And you had one touch and you had to volley the ball through the door. So I thought, do you know what? I'm going to go and join in with them. I said, can I join in? Yeah, of course you can. You've got one touch, you've got to get it through that door. Me being 
young and think naive, thinking, well, I'll stay in a couple of rounds just so I can get involved. Don't want to be smashing. <laughs> don't want to be smashing it through the door and just sitting out and watching everybody else. <laughs> I don't want to be pissing on Shearer's chips and Letizia. Letizia. So you next don't want to be minute, a big idea. I hit this shot. It rattled in in the doorway and come back out. I thought oh, I'm not out yet. Anyway, so we carried on. Shearer's out. Letizia's out. Ruddock's out. Uh, Steve Woods is out, Glenn Cockrell's out, Mickey Adams is out. I'm thinking, I better start getting out here like this because I don't even know what the punishment is. I better start taking this yeah. job seriously. Yeah. So I was really erratic. I was smashing it all over the place. They're probably thinking, Jesus Christ, what have we signed here? So anyway, we got down to the last couple and I think it was Mickey Adams, uh, myself and Barry Horn. Barry Horn could strike a great ball. I remember Barry Horn smashing this ball out through the door. I'm thinking it's me and Mickey Adams left here. Mickey Adams won. Oh, you've lost him, blah, blah, blah. I'm thinking, yeah, I've lost what next minute. I'd never even heard of Gatorade. Because at, <laughs> at, at, at Berry, you didn't get a drink at half time, I think. At Southampton, there was all Gatorade drinks around the training ground. He just helped myself. Well, when I went out, but every player was lined up with an ice bucket, a Gatorade bucket full of ice water. What did I get? Every single one of them, <laughs> over the top of them, because I'd lost the game and that was the forfeit. But I was so naive, I just thought it'd be like, well, I don't know, 20 press-ups or something like that. But every one of them had a Gatorade bucket full of ice water. <sighs> Straight over me. Did you think, oh, I wish I'd have took it seriously. I wish I'd have took it seriously. Yeah. <laughs> I did, I didn't play again. <laughs> <laughs> but that, yeah, but it was a great introduction to Southampton, yeah. Yeah, I loved it. How oh, was Terry Herlock? <sighs> I was scared stiff of him. I so was really... he next, age-wise, was he... He a was a older? little bit older, but obviously been at Rangers, he'd been Millwall. But do you know what? What a lovely man. A lovely man, but on the training ground, I remember playing in a five-a-side with him and I was on his team and he's, I'd give him the ball. Don't give me the ball. I just want to kick people. Don't give me the ball like that. I'm fucking sorry, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> Never passed it him again. <laughs> and then we'd had a night out. He used to say, come and see my girls like that because he was a really impeached. Daunting, come and see my girls. Because he had a pub. I'm thinking his girls, girls. He had rock violence behind the bar, two of them. And they were his girls. But he didn't go anywhere near them because if anything like Terry, they'd bite you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he meant yeah. he got strippers. It's no, 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 I was thinking, I yeah. swear. But that was, yeah. Come and see my girls. Sounded a bit creepy, <laughs> though. Come yeah. and see my girls. But then we had a night out and then we're all in this bar area. He goes, did see. You're my wallpaper. I'm thinking, what's he mean? And I didn't think, cheers, oh, Terry. Like I was scared <laughs> to talk to him. And he goes, did he? You're my wallpaper, son. So I got a little bit braver. And a couple of hours later, he's saying it again, like, and he's got a drink, and I'm sober as a judge. And I said, Terry, what do you mean? He went, you make me feel at home. <laughs> <laughs> I went, Oh great, thanks Terry. <laughs> but I was, I was, I'll never forget it. I'm thinking, oh my god, what what's he going to do to me? You make me feel at home. In other words, I was, he was happy in my with my presence being there. I'm thinking, wow, I'm on his side now. He's, he's someone you want to be on his side. Oh as well. yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you ever see him switch? Oh god, yeah. You remember Steve Woods, the centre half, who came from Millwall. 
big tall centre half, blonde lad. So we're in the changing room early morning, say quarter past nine, half past nine, ready to go training. Steve Woods has got changes ready for training. Next minute, Terry, the door bangs open and Terry Erlock comes in, straight across the dressing room, straight to Steve Woods, bang, 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 and they started fighting with each other and he's got him in the headlock like that. And then everybody's thinking, whoa, Terry, hold on a bit. So he lets him go and he walks off and he starts getting changed. And no one said anything to Terry. <laughs> Woods, are you all right? Yeah. What was all that about? I owe him a fiver. <laughs> and he gave him a good hiding because he hadn't paid him his fiver back. Yeah, I tell you what, he soon got it out of his wallet and gave it him back. <laughs> but do you know what? Out of football, what <laughs> apart a, from that, <laughs> unless you owe him, him any money, don't cross him. But what a nice man, what an absolute yeah. gentleman, a lovely, lovely man. He really is. But put him on the football pitch, it becomes territorial, it becomes a different animal. <laughs> or owe him a fiver. Or owe him a fiver, yeah, yeah. We'd gone to. It was some association because Matt had come obviously from the islands. We we went over to uh, one of the I can't remember it's Guernsey or Jersey. Guernsey, is it Guernsey, Guernsey yeah. From, I think. We had to go over to play in a game over there because of Matthew's affiliation to the place. So the whole squad went over, and because it was only a friendly, Ian Bramfoot then allowed the lads to go out and have a drink after the game. So in the hotel. They'd all had a few beers and the, the game had been done and whatever. And then they have a drink and they start getting a little bit louder. And then David Speedy was there. Kerry Dixon was there. Obviously, all the other lads, Sheila, Letizia, Ruddock, Dowie, they were all there. Tim Flowers. And everybody, Francis Bernali was another. Everybody was there just having a good time and chatting and blah, blah, blah. Next minute, Speedy starts getting a little bit feisty. And there's a bit of two in a throwing between Terry and Speedy and everybody's thinking, oh, could kick off here. Yeah? David Speedy had a drink and whatever, got an ashtray, threw it at Terry. Terry moved. Who sat there having a drink? Mickey Adams, bang, cuts his eye. Next minute, Terry Erlock's over onto David Speedy and they were at it fighting for a few minutes and you need that to it don't you terry if you're yeah, tricky, you yeah, need, yeah. You need, that's you it's it game over up. if you don't then, <laughs> terry air like oh yeah he batted him yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. no word of a lie he batted him mickey adams oh, my eye, look at my eye what am i gonna tell the manager now <laughs> he ended up having a couple of stitches in it <laughs> i bet he yeah. shits himself as soon as it missed yeah oh yeah, no. that's it yeah <laughs> gone fair play to speedy though it must be game eh? oh he was yeah but he'd, he'd had a drink as well do you know what i mean yeah. but, uh, do you know yeah. when you when you sat there sober? Can you see these oh, things happening yeah. slowly? Yeah. yeah, you can see it. It's like in slow motion to you, isn't it? You, you, all the other lads all had a drink and they're all loud and they don't they don't see the consequences, do they? But I'm thinking, wow, he's in trouble. And then obviously it was all in the newspapers when we were back. Oh, we, did it get out? Got it in the newspaper. Yeah. yeah. Did you, as well as being driver? <laughs> I didn't drive the bus with 20 players on it. <laughs> Did you play Curer a little bit as well in them situations where the team were together? Could you see things bubbling and maybe try and calm them down? Yeah. When you're amongst a group of 20 odd players and when they've had a drink, there's not a lot you can do. No. There's some people know when they've got to the limit and they need to go home. Yeah, but Coyle was another, oh, Coyle never drunk. Yeah. So again, he saw it as I saw it. Uh, he would get himself home or he'd take players Did home. Did you ever just, you stand there both of you, so I look at these. <laughs> 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 They're going I, again. I, I couldn't go home. This now. I, I couldn't go home because I had the money. 
<laughs> Until the whip had finished, because you know what it's like, Paul. You had a whip, didn't yeah. you? Everybody put 10 quid, 15 quid or whatever. Um, once that money had gone, it was all, did all, it was quite spasmodic then. Somebody come and say, oh, did you get us a drink? Blah, blah, said, nothing left. And then they'd all go their own ways, mm. wouldn't they? And it used to get to a point where the money had gone and you could see him getting a little bit leery and you think, time to go. So yeah. it was then just to, just Stop to get shoulder. Off. Yeah. Quick dart. Yeah. How did you get on with Shira? She was fine. It was great. Yeah. He, he was confident, very confident, but in training and to be fair to him, He'd just get on with it. It was like anybody else. He would practice when people had finished. But you could see he had that ruthless streak in him. He had that bit of arrogance about him. Not Big Eddie, but he had that arrogance about him and he knew he could score goals. And obviously the hype around him would be moving to Blackburn, the possibility of moving to Blackburn and playing for England on the 21s and scoring goals. He was very well grounded, yeah, as he is now. Did he, he move now. whilst you were at Southampton? Yeah. He still owes me a roadmap. I gave him a roadmap to get to Blackburn. <laughs> Come on, Alan. Z. He, we, we were... <laughs> we were... I bought that Atlas because I was going to Southampton and I needed it. We'd, we'd played golf. There was Ian Dowie, Alan, Shearer, Letizier and myself playing at Letizier's, Letizier's course and, at golf. And I remember Alan saying, Man United were ringing him and also Blackburn were ringing him and they were bartering between themselves. And we'd played golf and that day after, after golf, he came round to my house, he said, I need to get to Blackburn. How do I get to Blackburn? I said, I've got a roadmap. I used it to come down to Southampton. <laughs> so he took that roadmap off me and that was the last day I <laughs> saw him. He said, Were it highlighted? Oh, yeah, like, of course it was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we're back up the M6. Yeah, so he he then, as I was at Southampton, I'd not been there long, he then signed for Blackburn, I think about three and a half million quid, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Club record. Um, it was a club, UK, it was a UK record, record wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. But there was, there was talk of him going to Manchester United and to Blackburn, but I think because Blackburn Rovers had um, Walker mm, involved yeah. in it, then the financial package was obviously better for him to go to Blackburn. Mm. Um, and I think it was it Kenny Dalglish was the man. Yeah, 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 yeah. So obviously, worked out well for him, though, didn't them, it? But yeah, and then he, he ended up going to there. Going so, back to what you said about you were signed to replace Leticia, that'll have been when it was a Tottenham and Chelsea were in for him. Yeah, and yes. he was coming in Ireland. Yeah. So him not going, is that just. Almost. Yeah. I, I got in the team when I got down there after I, I made my debut against Leeds as a sub and the following game I, I made my debut and they left Matthew out because the speculation was he was going to Spurs or he was going to Chelsea and both clubs had agreed to say that he could because he was a home bird with Matthew he didn't really want to go anywhere mm. he was quite happy at Southampton they offered to fly him to training every day so he didn't have to up, up sticks. And I think they, they did everything possible to make him sign for... But then he said, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying. So then I got in the team. But I think whatever I did at Southampton was never going to be good enough to replace Matthew Letizia because he was the fans' favourite and every right because he was a great player. So it made my job difficult. And I, I'd, I played 20... 24 games I played, and on the 25th game, they had to give Berry another 50,000 quid. So that's why I only ever played 24 games. 
because on that 25th game, they had to pay 50 grand. And I think they realised then that it's not worth paying the 50 grand because Matthew Letizier is here and you're just going to be a bit part player. Did they say this to you? Or are you just reading between no, the I lines? No, I just read, read between the lines. But I was friendly with Matthew and I spoke to Matthew and he said, I'm not going anywhere. Were you trying to talk around? Yeah, well, I was like, go on, oh, yeah, it's nice. Chelsea, Chelsea. Yeah, 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 map. Yeah, you'd be all right <laughs> along the King's Road. You'll love it. But he wasn't, as we spoke earlier off, off camera, he's a down-to-earth lad. He's not bothered about the razzmatazz of it. He really wasn't. And he, he was quite comfortable being the big fish at Southampton, doing his trickery and playing the way he did. And the fans allowed him to do that. And it was, a, it was such a success down there. It made it difficult for me. Um, and that's why then, after my 24th game, hence the 50 grand, I was back in the reserves. And mm. I was not even sub for the first team then, because I think even if you was a yeah. sub, you had a chance of going on, they would have to pay that extra 50,000 quid. And I wasn't to the same level as Matthew Letizia. Never have been, never would be, because he, he, was, he was brilliant. So then that, put me back in the reserves and I was just working hard in the reserves. Bruce Riott came to watch me play against Millwall one night. I scored a worldie with my left foot and that's when Bruce came in for me on um, a loan deal. And because I wasn't, I'd had a taste of first team football, I wanted to play first team football and not reserve team football for Southampton. So I thought, go up to Bolton. Didn't know what path it was going to take me on, but it was a chance to play up, up Try and get in the first team at Bolton. They've just got three and a half million pounds for for Shearer. Yeah. What, mm, like, yeah. what's in the grand scheme of things? What's yeah. yeah. But they obviously they saw the longevity of Matthew there and me being there as a new player and getting a, a three year contract. It was probably their way of thinking. Well, do you know what? We might be able to offload him here mm. because we'd rather have Matthew than, mm. than myself. Am I right in saying that you found out that Nottingham Forest were in for you? one point yeah without realizing and i've got proof from it and i'll tell you the story only up till 12 months ago i didn't know anything about it right i'm 55 now this is when i in 1989 um martin dobson was the manager he, this, is Berry. this is when i was at berry me and my missus we've been over to macclesfield to watch my son play football for macclesfield and on the way home in the car, the phone rang. I saw it, Dobbo, Martin Dobson. So I answered it. He went, did say, David Lee, blah, blah, blah. how are you, mate, like that? Because that's how he was. I went, hello, Dobbo. And he said, did say, I'm writing a book. I want to peck your head. I went, oh, great, fantastic. He said, I just want a few pointers for you, a few questions I can ask you. Yeah, come on, Dobbo, what can I do for you? He went, just before I do that, I've got something to tell you. <laughs> and he said, it's been playing on my mind for years, 20 odd years, he said. <laughs> I went, come on, Dobbo. I had no idea what he was going to say. He went, well, you know, when, when I was manager of Berry and you were doing really well for me and you were flying and people were talking about you, I went, yeah. He said, well, he said, I had a selfish moment. He said, because I got told from the secretary that Nottingham Forest will come in for you and Brian Clough wants to buy you. And they'd put a fee in for you, but I said no from a selfish point of view because you were doing great for me as a manager and you were playing well. And I thought if I lose David Lee, my career won't go forward. So I said no to it. 
I went, cheers, Dobbo. <laughs> he went, I had to tell you that. Now can I ask you questions about that? <laughs> I think it's just a straight red button from me. <laughs> Block. He said, I didn't think it was right for it. I said, come on, Dobbo. It wasn't right for you, was it? He went, no, no, I, said, I was selfish. I said, well, listen, Dobbo. I said, maybe it was the right thing. I believe in fate. I went on to do all right, blah, blah, blah. He said, yeah. He said, can I ask you a few questions about that? I said, yeah, of course you can. When's your book coming out? I want a free copy. Yeah. So moving forward... I gets a phone call from the owners of Berry Football Club. We're playing in, we've got a game to try and reunite Berry to get him up and going again. Would you come and play in the game? Yeah, of course I will. No problem. So I speak to, to this lad and he said, oh, by the way, he said, I've got a letter here. Because what happened when, when Berry folded, everything got shut down. No one could get access to anything. So when they started coming back, they got the keys and they were going through all the lockers and going through everything and obviously through all the old paperwork. He went, I've got a letter here, an official letter from Nottingham Forest with the bid from the club for £105,000 and I've got it on the original paper in, on the letter in type. Do you want it? I went, wow. I said, that's unbelievable because I was speaking to Martin Dobson a few weeks before about it. <laughs> he knows they've got <laughs> keys, get to go find that letter. He knows what I was going to tell him. I thought, has Dobbo been in to try and find it and destroy it or what? I'm going to bring him. I'm going to bring him a Do you just seem like I have a spy with a torch in his yeah. mouth with full filing back? <laughs> Black gloves on. It wasn't the man from Montreal, it was Dobbo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I played in this game at Gig Lane. And then he said, it's in the file. He said, I'll, I'll get it for you. So I've got the official letter now. I've got it framed at home alongside my shirt from Bolton from 31 years ago. And I've got it up on the wall. And it says an official bid um, through the third party, Wilf McGuinness for David Lee, your right winger for £105,000 underneath manager Brian Clough. So now I've got that letter-headed piece of paper on yeah. type. The lady who's framed it for me has put it through uh, through some special glass on it so it'll never fade, and I've just mounted it up on my wall. Brilliant. I've yeah. seen that. Yeah. Well, but, Dobbo, yeah. could, Dobbo could say, in, in, in Dobbo's defence, which I, I, I think is a prick. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you now, I think Dobbo's a prick, but he did get, he did get another... 245,000 for you, didn't he? He did, yes. If you yeah. got 350 yeah. from Southampton, yeah. he could yeah. play it that way, but you're still an arsehole. Yeah. <laughs> still Couldn't an arsehole. been playing for the great Brian Clough. <laughs> did you know who he were at the time, though? Or? I didn't know. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I do now. Oh, yeah. this Clough fella. <laughs> yeah. So is that what he was... Reoc, we've heard from John McKinley and Coyley that that's, his man management was... Something else. But was, strict. He was a sergeant major. Mm -hmm. He really was. But do you know what? If you did what you did for him, he would he would look after you. He was very regimented, very disciplined, and he was the best thing that ever happened to me in my career. Because he knew when to give you a rollicking. He knew to, how to get the best out of you. And he, he galvanized the whole group of players. And I had the utmost respect for him because when I was on loan, um, my wife at the time, we, we, she, um, she had a baby and Claudia and she 
was ill from the from the moment she was born. She swallowed the muconium for when she was born. Like they opened the bowels as babies, she swallowed all the muconium. So she was a, on death's door for baby four or five days. So she was on a life support machine for four or five days. And I went into Bruce Riach. I said, Bruce, I said I need a bit of time off. The wife just had a bit of it. Go, go, like that. Because we had a game on the Tuesday. This was on after the game on the Saturday. I played in the game. Claudia was born, she was poorly, and we had a midweek game against Stockport during the week. And I told me, went, go, just go, go. Don't need to explain, no just question, go. No questions asked. Nothing, just go. So I thought, brilliant. So obviously I went to the hosp Preston Hospital where my daughter was in, and obviously in intensive care, blah, blah, blah. And she's on the drip and whatever. So for the day I was there, I went home, got some sleep. I came the following day, who was there? Bruce. At the hospital? At the hospital. And I, I, I was like, what are you doing? He went, making sure everything's all right. I went, wow. And I, he just went from there to there. Yeah. And then fortunately, within 48 hours, she started making a recovery. So I, I said to my wife at the time, Helen said, she's going to be all right. And the nurse was saying, yes, yeah, she's going to be absolutely fine now. To, start taking the ventilation down. So she was just starting to breathe for herself. So... I said, I'm going to play. So I rang Bruce. I said, Gaffer, I said, Claudia's going to be all right. Can I play? He said, your shirt's hanging up for you, son. So I went, we played the game, we won 2-1, and I played, and I played really well. But because of what he'd done for me, I wanted to repay him straight away. Yeah. And But he just had that awe about him as a manager. He was For any, any staff member there, football was irrelevant. Your family always come first mm. and he was brilliant for that and from that day i just thought i'm gonna work my socks off for you for the rest of my career whilst yeah. you're in charge of me and he got the very best out of me and that's what the success we got but that seemed to a pinnacle and if i see him now i would never call him bruce i'd always call him gaffer or boss because i've got that yeah. much respect for him see i think in most jobs That'd just be half normal, wouldn't it? Maybe not going to the hospital, but go and go away. Yeah. But yeah. in football, it's not always like that, no, is it? No, it's not. No. Well, no. it's going back to what uh, Dobson. It's selfish, isn't it? Yeah. He's thinking, yeah. Oh, I need yeah. you. Yeah. You know, he yeah. could have. He could have thought like that. He took time out from training to come to the hospital, mm -hmm. and when I turned up at the hospital, he's there at the side of the. That's the extra mile. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's actually yeah. caring about you as an individual mm. rather than a commodity as, as a football player. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And he just left. Take as much time as you want. Go, do it. Whatever you have to do, go and do it. Mm. And then to repay him, you work your socks off. And I did every game. Didn't always play well, but you knew for a fact you worked your socks off for him because he gained that much respect from me. So you signed for Bolton. They're in League One. Yes. At the time, yeah. we, then we, you play that Liverpool game that we talked about. Yeah. When, uh, in the January. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then you get promoted promoted as well. Promoted that, year. So that season, yeah. And is that when things are starting? Yeah. to Is he building yeah. the team together? Yeah, he did. Because then the following season we did okay. We had a couple of cup runs. Then the following season we won the league championship, didn't we? And then ended up playing in as in then the champ division one or the Premiership. Yeah. But he he used to have as fit as fiddles. He really did. What and was it? Was Tuesday the day that you you did your run on? You know what? He varied it. There was, a, there was once we played on the Saturday. We'd done all, I think we'd won, but on the Monday morning, he said, right, I'll see you up at Entwistle Reservoir. It's probably two and a half miles of full circumference of it. And he put you into groups of six, two excellent runners, two medium, 
and two bad runners in the group of six. Bruce said, right, get round there as fast as you can. So obviously six of us set off, bang, 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 get through. They all come in at different intervals, get to the gate, bit of a breather. And then when everybody come in, they say, right, get back there as quick as you can, but come back as a group. So you set again with your six and those six, you had to get round and come back to the other as fast as you possibly could. And I remember there was me and Jason McAteer. We could both run. And as we get into the main gate where Bruce, Bruce was, he looked at us and he went, what are you doing? Like that. So we run as fast as we can, Gaffer. He said, you're not crossing this line until you bring your teammates in. And I had Keith Brannigan in my team. Keith, Keith was a goalkeeper. He could not <laughs> run for Toffee. He made us run all the way back half the course to get Keith Brannigan, and we had to drag him over the line. And we've got him all and all like that. And he's going, I'm going to have a heart attack. I'm going to have a I said, we can't get him. We can't cross that line until if Bruce sees us without you. I can't do any more, did he? Like saving Private Ryan. Yeah, it was like that, yeah. And then as soon as we get over the line, Bruce is like that, like that. Didn't say anything. But it was building the camaraderie between us. Yeah. It was fantastic. And that was, was a lot of it about that unity. Yeah, and... getting people together, yeah. Uh, like, if your teammates were having a bit of a bad time, you had to pull them out. And because Branny couldn't run and he was having a heart attack, we had to drag him over the line <laughs> so the ambulance could get a hold of him. And yeah. He's but, done uh, that on purpose, did not he? Of course he has, yeah. But he, you weren't allowed out of your six to be first over yeah. the line. Because me and McAtee, we... we we love the competitiveness of it, but we used to race each other to get over the line to see who could, bit of a, a boss type thing. But no, get back and make sure you bring your lads over the line with you, which we did. And then when you think back and you think, wow, you're looking after each other and you're looking after your see, mates. See, yeah, what, what I'm doing, I'm getting round the first bend and I'm waiting there yeah. until the lazy bastard gets <laughs> and catch up yeah. and then put him under my arm. <laughs> Come on, beggar. I thought that was you, Parks. I thought you were always like that. Yeah? <laughs> no, you'd have been carrying me as well, by the way. Yeah. You'd have been carrying and me. And then very quickly on another one that Bruce did, we played Stockport County on a Friday night at Stockport. And we set off, we had a pre-match meal at the at Burnden and then we got on the bus and we went to Stockport's ground and it absolutely threw it down. We got to the ground and we walked into the dressing room. We all sat down. Bruce and Colin come in and went, game's off. Like that. I think, oh, God. Because we were flying at the time. We wanted to play. He said, the game's off, back on the bus. So people like McGinley were going out. Come on, we'll organise a night out. As soon as we get back on the bus, Bruce can hear everybody in the back say, right, we'll do this, do that, blah, blah. Leave your cars, we'll meet at the pub, blah, blah, blah. We'll go and have a night out for Leave your cars, well. Yeah. <laughs> get yeah. The oh, yeah, they're all, gonna, they're all getting, getting my two-seater. <laughs> so as we get back to Burnden Park, we're coming up the A666, the lights are on at, at the football club. Floodlights? Floodlights at Burnden Park. Ah, must be must be something going on, blah, blah, blah. Getting off the bus. Bruce says, I'll see you on the track in five minutes. Went, what? He said, yeah, get your kit on. We'll be out on the track around the cinders in five minutes' time. So we all got off the coach. We went into the dressing room. Alan Whittle had been there. The groundsman opened up, got training kit out for us. We all trained, and he absolutely run the legs off us. And I mean... You know, like when you do full, yeah, we did six full laps as fast as you could. 
Then you did six three-quarter laps as much as, you, as fast as you could. Then we did six half laps. Then we did six horseshoes. And then we did six sprints to finish without a rest. No one went out that night. <laughs> We were like that. <laughs> I, I couldn't even fucking drive home. <laughs> but what he'd done, he'd heard everybody trying to sort out a night out. He thought, I'll show his boss. You're meant to play in professional football tonight. The game's off. You don't think you're going to have a bit of a, a reward for that. Yeah. And he absolutely ran the socks. Did you get Saturday, Sunday off or? We were off Saturday, off Sunday, back in on Monday. And then we played again on the Tuesday. But he absolutely run the legs off it. And we were fit, but that was hard graft because he knew he wasn't having us going out on a Friday night. <laughs> Would he let you have a bit of a, for that team building? Yeah. Yeah. He'd let, let you, yeah. He, he'd organise, he'd organise days out, but it was all team building and, and keeping everybody together. And he knew when to let us off the leash and when to pull us in. It was a, his man management was brilliant, but no one ever felt like they were denied an opportunity to go and have a, a night out because he would organise it for you. And he'd say, make sure you go. And he'd come in the following morning, if we're in or the following day, he'd say, who was it? Anybody not there? No gaffer, everybody was there. Brilliant. Did it Did it ever go too far off the leash and he found out about it? Or not really, no. No, I, I, the only, the, I tell a lie, there was once, we had Aidan Davison. Surprise. Alan Thompson. John McGinley. Phil Brown. They'd all gone out in Manchester. And they'd end up having a few drinks and whatever. Aidan Davison had thrown a stool at somebody, Tom or Brownie or whatever, because he'd be having a heated debate or whatever. Smashed the pool window. Next minute, police are in. All four arrested. Coming in the morning, obviously Bruce had found out about it. Come in, get them all released. Before they released, the lad who, the cop who was looking after him, McGinn was asking how everybody is. He said, uh, Alan Thompson's there in the corner crying his eyes out. I <laughs> think he's going to ruin his career. <laughs> Phil Brown's sleeping his hangover off. What's Aidan Davis? He's there with his shirt off doing press-ups. <laughs> <laughs> Just fitting in. Just fitting in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, Gaffer, I, would, I did a session. Yeah, I was, I did a yeah, session. yeah. But then, then they were all in for training that, that morning and they all yeah. turned up for training, yeah. They would, I imagine they all got a, a Well, I think Bruce was very good at that. He led it live for a little bit and then he'd have got him in individually and find him right. and give him a bollocking and whatever. But uh, yeah, that's the only ever incident I can remember yeah. where anything serious happened where got out of hand. Yeah, they'd have a few beers and blah, but... That's just lads when they're having a good time, I suppose. But yeah, that was the only incident I can ever remember. I was at home tucked up in bed at that time anyway, yeah. <laughs> when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. <laughs> Any more stuff on Tony Kelly? Kells loved to drink. And I used to try and chaperone him and look after him, but he'd get to a stage, he'd say, leave me alone, I'm not coming home. 
and in a country. So he'd come in after a Saturday. Kells was very insecure as a footballer. What a player. It was a fantastic player. But you'd be coming off the pitch and say, did you, do you think I've played all right? Do you think I'll play next week? <laughs> Kells, <laughs> Kells, I'm more bothered about how I've played. And have we won or lost? Then what are you going to do? And are you going to play next week? Do you think I've done all right? <laughs> Kells, you always play well. All right, do you think I'll play next week? Well, yeah, just train hard. You'd be playing. <laughs> But then Kells would then go out on the beer and have a few beers on the Saturday night and he'd get in with the, his mates and whatever and then he'd have a drink on the Sunday as well. But the thing with Kells, he got away with it because his performances were brilliant. He was a fantastic midfield player. He never moved out of the centre circle, but he'd, his range of passing and his, and his thought process and the way he organised, orchestrated the team, it was brilliant. So he got away with it for so long. But then the longevity of it was with Bruce Reoch. He needed more than that. He liked to see the discipline side of it as well. Mm. So it got to a stage where Kells was called in on the Monday mornings, weigh him in, he's overweight, blah, blah. He, you, you can't do it, Kells. And he kept doing it and doing it. And it got to the stage where Bruce said, right, there's your money, go, you're not coming back. And he got rid of him. But really, Kells should have just towed the line and fitted him with the lads and the longevity of his career at Bolton would have been longer, but that's, that was his character. Mm. But for Bruce, he was more of a disciplinarian. He wanted more than just being a plodder. He wanted him to be in advance because we played at Arsenal one night in the FA Cup and we beat Arsenal, the invincible team. We beat them 3-1 at Highbury. And after the game, Terry Venables was the manager and he said in front of everybody and to Bruce Reoch, if Tony Kelly was fit, he'd be in my England team. Next minute, you see Kells, man of the match, created beer straight on the pole. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I'd celebrate with a drink as well. Yeah, but he had that ability. But from Bruce's perspective... I'm getting he, called up, lads. Yeah. <laughs> Bruce I'm wanted, off to the World yeah. Cup, lads. Fucking, <laughs> one of these bastards. Yeah. <laughs> Bruce wanted the full package and, and yeah. Kells' ability wasn't just enough for Bruce. He wanted the other side mm. of it as well which Kells couldn't offer, which is a shame because yeah. he was a fantastic footballer and a, he, a good friend. Did he like a fag as well? Never saw him smoke. Well, he smoked a cigar when he was playing football because uh, he was that good. <laughs> but uh, no, he wasn't a smoker, no. Or were it Mark Patterson? Yeah, he said, I, I, I spoke another, to him and I'll, he said... Yeah, I'll tell you a story about Mark Patterson. Remember Gary Kelly, the goalkeeper? I was very proud of what I've... I, I had and I had a lovely XR2 Fiesta XR2 and it was my world, it was my pride and joy as a young lad and we're all playing at Berry. And there was Gary Kelly, myself and Paddy, we used to take it turns in driving. And it was a match day on a Saturday and I've got my new Ford Fiesta. Well, it was new to me, but it wasn't brand new. I'd polished it, cleaned it out. It was immaculate. Drove to Mark Patterson's in Darwin, stopped on the hill. Gaz is in the back. Paddy jumps in. Lights up in my car. Oh, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> we always have a fag and a cigar before the game. I said, you're not, get out of my car like that. And they're like, no, come on, Dizzy. You're right. I, right. I took the keys out, I stood out of the car. I said, I ain't going anywhere till you get out of the car and finish your cigarette and your cigar. Oh, come on. I said, no, you're not doing it. I said, we'll be late. I don't care, you're late. You're not getting in my car. I said, you can get out and I'll drive off like that. They went, all right, all right, yeah. I can still, I can still feel the anger there. Oh, God, I was mad. Yeah. Really living it then. Gary Kelly, Tom Thumb cigars. Tom Thumb. <laughs> Mark Patterson, cigarette, I need a fag before you're not smoking in my car. Get out. I got the windows down and wafting me smelly about town again. I was I was deflated. I was gutted. 
<laughs> he said to ask you about that. Did he? <laughs> yeah. I can see he's still raw. Oh, yeah. <laughs> did, uh, did Paddy tell you to ask him about the golf when we come back for me golf? Club? He did mention do you want something to tell about, you about golf. That? Yeah, go on. Paddy and me were really good mates, but I can wind him up. No problem. And he's very, really fiery, Mark Patterson. Really, you get on the wrongs. He can wind him up to a tee. And we've been invited to this golf do at Mia Golf Club. And I didn't play very often, maybe once every seven or eight weeks. And I was put with these three people who played. There was a lady, her husband, and somebody else. And I was like the so-called celebrity. Playing for Barry is a celebrity, yeah. So we played in this golf tournament. And they say, what do you play off? But... I'd no handicap, so I played off 18, which for me, I thought was all right. The three who I was playing with were scratch handicappers. They were brilliant. <laughs> we won. We won. <laughs> and I'm thinking, and so the prizes at night, we had to stop for the dinner. Paddy's on another table with his four ball and another, so like groups of 12 or whatever. And then the prizes are team such a body and team celebrity, David Lee. We could see Paddy getting angry thinking, See, won. So we we got it up and we get our prize. And do you know what we won? Like um, a glass decanter or something like that. A whiskey glass or something. Not good to me. So <laughs> you get orange we, in it. We, fin we finished the night and I'm driving because he's had a few beers. <laughs> We're coming past towards the Tickle Trout where the M65 wasn't built then. So I was coming off at the Tickle Trout. I was going up the A road to take him back to Darwin. And... Uh, he says, you cheating bastard. <laughs> That's a bit lighter. You cheating bastard. And, and I don't swear. I went, what do you mean? He said, you played it. He said, you banned it like that. I said, banned it. Paddy, I played off 18. I scored about six points. The team I was playing with were brilliant because <laughs> it was two scores out the yeah. four. He said, you cheating bastard. I said, no, I'm not. He said, you fucking are. I says, Paddy, give it over. He said, stop the car. I'm going to kick your fucking head in like that. <laughs> I said, right. So I stopped the car on the hard shoulder. And we both got out on the M6 at 12 o'clock at night. And we went to each other. And we give each other a little Got back in the car and I took him home. <laughs> and he wanted to fight me. <laughs> I'm stubborn. All right, I will. Stop the car. Put my handbrake on my XR2. Make sure you're right, close the door. Right. Come here. Yeah. We got back in the car, with Joe, and we oh, laugh about funny. it to this day. <laughs> so he might have been good at running, but he weren't the brightest, were he, Makatea? Makatea? No. Yeah. Jason Makatea. What a player. What a player. What a great player. I remember we played it, we were going to the Coca-Cola Cup final at Wembley and we were playing Liverpool and Peter Shilton was in nets for us that day and we sat as a four around the table and I remember McAteer saying to Shilts, have you ever played here, Shilts? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yeah, only 94 times. <laughs> really? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he was he was brilliant at setting himself up yeah. because he loved the banter. But he was a clever lad. Yeah, and then even to the extent where he was looking to buy a credit card, and when he's writing the form out, they're saying to him, "Occupation, position, position. What do I put? Centre midfield or right midfield?" 
No, Jason, it means position of the watch. What's your job? Like? <laughs> well, I thought it meant put position where I played in football. No, Jason, they don't know you as a footballer. <laughs> but again, things like that. He loved the banter and we called him Trigger from Only Fools and Horses. But he's as you clever. Think he, you think he knew he, what he would do? Of course he did. Yeah. yeah. But what a career he had. Brilliant player. Great player. How, how was that game for you? You know, Coca-Cola Cup final at the Do time, you know what? Right? I'd never been to Wembley before I played there. I always said I would never go to Wembley until I played at Wembley. So for me, I was like a kid in a sweet shop. And I think, I'm going to Wembley to play football. But what an occasion. It was fantastic, yeah. We, we, we got beat 2-1 against Liverpool. No one ever remembers the runners-up. Liverpool played us off the park for the majority of it, but we had chances. Probably could have sneaked a draw at the end of it and got extra time, but Steve McManaman on the day was phenomenal and scored two great goals. But overall, the actual occasion, I mean, Wembley was full. It was 100,000 people watching, and I think there was probably a worldwide audience of 70, 80 million watching it. It probably means more to me now than it did then because it was a job and you don't think of it as being mm. an achievement to play in a major cup final, but yeah. Is that the same season as the playoffs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We what did. happened? Why didn't you play in the final? Because we played we played Wolverhampton in the playoffs, home and away. We played them in the away leg, we lost 1-0. And then in the home leg... That wasn't the, was, that wasn't the Battle of Burnden year, was it? No, no, that was about two years before was where it? Yeah. we... Um, we, we thrashed Wolves 5-0, didn't we, at Burnden? Yeah. And Steve Bull ended up causing a, a rook. Oh, no, John McGinley ended up yeah. causing a rook. And John sparked, I don't know, he sparked somebody, didn't he? And got away with it. But, yeah, that was that was the ruckus then. Yeah. I think 21 players got booked that night or something like that. I bet you were the one who I was the one who did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I remember going... I remember, ref, ref, I've seen it. I'm, I'm trying to think who the referee was, but I remember him being at a sportsman's dinner and him mentioning it, and I was invited to the sportsman's dinner. And he said, I booked so many players from Bolton, blah, blah, blah. He said, then there's one player didn't get booked. And I went, it was me. Like he went, yeah, it's goody two-shoes, yeah. I said, no, I couldn't fight. <laughs> but McGinn caused up all that day, yeah. But we whooped him 5-0, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, going back to the why I didn't, to ask you a question, why I didn't play in the final. In the second leg at Burnham Park, we were 1-0 down. And then, remember Mark Venus? Yeah. Player, Ipswich Wolves. Yeah. For me, I don't know what I was doing, but I was on the edge of my own box defending. That just wasn't me. I didn't need to come back and defend, but it must have been a set play or something. But I went, the ball came from a corner, it got cut out and it came to me. And I went to hook the ball up the pitch just to clear the lines and, and get everybody get out. As I went to do it, Mark Venus put his foot there and I connected with the ball, but the follow through, I hit his studs. And then before they were famous, I ended up, I'd broke three metatarsals. Out of the five in your, in your foot, the, the middle three, I'd smashed all them. And I'm a, I'm a tough nut. I might only be small, but I, was, I could take a bit of pain and people could kick me and I could get up and get on with it, but that was the worst pain I've ever experienced. And I knew from that moment I couldn't carry on. And we had a, a surgeon called Tony Banks who was at the game. He went, get up to Beaumont Hospital straight away. That doesn't look good. And it was getting bigger and bigger and bigger and swelling up. And I remember being in the back of the ambulance and the ambulance driver said, oh, I'll get it on the radio for you. And we scored. I'm like, yes, we scored. And they're saying, calm down, will you? <laughs> so it was one all. And then by the time I got to the hospital, McGinn had scored again and we'd won 2-1. 
And I'm, I couldn't wait to speak to Banksy because he said, I'll meet you up there because he was a surgeon. He was at the club and he, he worked out at Bournemouth Hospital. We'd done the x-ray. I went, am I going to be fit? He went, no. No chance. No chance. Six weeks minimum. And what's... Two, two weeks. Two weeks, yeah. I said, any chance? He went, absolutely no chance. He said, you'd be in, in a boot for four weeks. Uh, so I knew then I, was, I wasn't going to play at Wembley in the final. And because Banksy was so straight with me, I come to terms with it straight mm, away. Yeah. And then the following day, um, Bruce said, right, we're going to go to Barrington's in Portugal with the lads to give them a bit of a break in preparation for the game. Do you want to come? I went, no, I'm going to step here and get fit. He went, no problem. He said, but as soon as, you, as, soon as we come back, he said, you're part of the squad. You're coming down with us and you're doing everything we do before the game. So I was involved all the way through, even into the team talk before the game, walked out with the players at the back of my mummy crutches, sat on the bench and obviously celebrated after when we'd yeah. won. But it's that's a per that picture you're dancing with your, yeah. your sticks yeah. on the pit. Yeah, I did, yeah. So, yeah. so then you're back in the Prem? Yes, yeah. The playoff final itself, remember Yuri Geller with the magic spoons? Yeah. Well, he'd gone on camera and put it all over the local press that he said he put a curse on Bolton Wanderers he's going to wear these sunglasses and it will put a curse on Bolton Wanderers ready and they're going to be into the Premier League next season so he was there and obviously he was sat behind us in the corporate bit and everybody's going oh, you in Kelly and blah 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 and then uh, they went 2-0 up didn't they yeah. and he's like that <laughs> like a me, like a me, like, like a me account. Oh, oh, you got your money on? I've told you. Yeah, yeah. And even I'm starting believing him. Thinking, Jesus, he can bend spoons. And then they got a, a penalty, so it's two. We're two nil down at Wembley. Penalty for Reading. Lad take, stands up to take it. Keith Brannigan saves it. We should have been three nil down after twenty minutes. Branny saves it. We ended up going the other end, scoring, making it 2-1, got it to 2-all, went 3-2 down and then got back to 3-all and then won 4-3. So Yuri Geller went like that. <laughs> yeah. So that obviously put us into the Premier League, yeah. 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 It's amazing, it? which depends which end of the stick you're on, doesn't it, when it comes to Yuri? Because Colin Hendry this afternoon, he was, he was saying England only beat Scotland in World Cup because, because of Yuri Geller. Yuri Geller. Yeah. Move the ball, didn't he, on yeah. uh, Gary McAllister's penalty. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what he what said? fucking dick, <laughs> <laughs> and he's probably he's probably like made a lot of money that Yuri Geller and he's yeah, been an absolute yeah. fucking fraud yeah what a fraud yeah <laughs> yeah complete yeah he's bendy spoons oh, yeah. fuck off Yuri <laughs> did you know it was going to be a struggle because Rioc left he left at the end of that season went to Arsenal we only knew Bruce at the club he was he was our he was the ambassador for the club he was the manager he was our father figure we were absolutely, I know I was absolutely devastated because we'd been on such a crest of a wave and we'd done so fantastic over the amount of time we'd been there. We only ever knew success and it was because of Bruce Rioch. And every credit to him, he deserved to get to Arsenal because of what he'd done as a manager and the way he conducted himself. And it was an opportunity that he couldn't turn down. But then once he left, the club couldn't decide on the manager. Colin <coughs> Todd and Roy McFarland. So for the, it must have been the first time in anybody's club history, we had two managers. So then, obviously the new season come, uh, there was a new remit then, Toddy and Roy were in, in charge. But the, the, the players were clever because they'd go and play one, say something to Toddy, 
and then they'd go and say something to Ray. But between them, they couldn't make a decision because who was manager, who wasn't manager. They so were joint were they, managers. Was it as equal as that? Yeah. They both managers? Yeah. So he, he didn't work because he didn't last long, did he? He'd gone. Yeah. Ray left. And were they both at the club under Rayock? Or had they both Colin come? Todd was. Colin Todd, Ray wasn't. Ray came in. But obviously they had the connection from the Derby days, didn't they? Because they were all at Derby so County together, other. weren't they? Coming so they knew each other. As a pair, but they come in as from a, a player's perspective, it, it didn't wasn't work. working. No, it wasn't working because you want one one figure, don't you? One figurehead. Especially after after what we'd achieved. Yeah. Bruce Rioch there as that figurehead who managed. Yeah. yeah. If you ever wanted anything, you go to one man. But now the players, if they wanted something and wouldn't get it of one manager, they got yeah. something else. <laughs> yeah, right. with eight fuckers out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, they're ruthless, aren't they? Yeah. Players yeah. are ruthless. And they, something they don't want to deal with. Oh, yeah, Roy's yeah. dealing with that. We'll see Roy. <laughs> what, I, what I don't want to hear from him, I might hear from yeah. him. Yeah, Toddy says that I'm playing sack. What do you all think, Roy? <laughs> no, yeah. Oh, well, I'll go sit next to Toddy then. Yeah. yeah. You're but not then, playing sack. Yeah. That's not what Colin said. <laughs> And he's, he's more of more of the manager than you, isn't he? Oh, <laughs> he's been here longer yeah, than you, yeah. Do you know what? Toddy was a fantastic coach. He was a brilliant coach. But he wasn't a manager. Not in my eyes. And I, I have nothing against Colin Todd. I wasn't Colin Todd's type of player. And Toddy brought some fantastic players in. He brought Per Franson in. He brought Michael Johansson in. Um, a couple of other players who were big-time players. But you could see then the change in personnel was getting deeper and deeper, but I just knew whatever I did, I wasn't going to be really a first team choice in his armory. So that was the time that season when I ended up starting to get faded out. And towards the end of the season, that latter end of the season, I was left out completely. And I thought, you know what? My time's, time's up. Are. At the end of the season, he said, I'm not going to renew your contract. Gordon Hardgreaves, what a lovely man he is. Um, he said to me, with a tear in his eye, I don't want you to leave, David, but I have to back the manager's decision. And I, I, I shook his hand and I gave him a hug and I said, listen, Gordon, or chair, Mr. Chairman, he used to call He said, don't call me Mr. Chairman, just call me Gordon, because I had so much respect for him. For him. I used to call him Mr. Chairman. I said, listen, Mr. Chairman, I said, I respect your decision. It's time for me to move on. Um, and I hope to see you again. He said, you're always welcome at this football club. And then, then I moved on to Wigan. And it was it was hard because I'd, I'd only ever known the last five years of success at Bolton. But I had to then think of myself and, and carry on my career. And that I ended up going to Wigan for three years. Where what were they age? at? Uh, League One, I think they're in. Yeah, I think they're in League One. Yeah. And how old were you when... Probably 30, 30. Right. Yeah. And you started to slow down. I was just going to say that. Were your main attribute being. I, I was still quick. Pace. I was fit as a fiddle. I really was. I was. Do you think, could you feel that you'd lost out no, a yard? No. Not at all. No. I felt fit. I, was, I really, really looked after myself. Mm. And I don't think I'd, I'd lost a, a yard of pace at all because I had three years at Wigan. Yeah. Um, so I'd have been 28, 29, 30 when I was at Wigan. So I was still fit as a fiddle, uh, still quick. And I, th I had three, I enjoyed three good years at Wigan, yeah. What was your reaction when you heard Riyog uh, was coming back, coming to Wigan? Um, I think, I think my contract had finished, but I was at home and um, the phone rang. And I think it was a secretary and said, oh, Bruce said, we've got a, a friendly game. We'd like you to come back and do you want to come back? 
So I came back, I trained for a couple of days and they did some fitness sessions in pre-season and he played me in a game. I think it was Lee RMI, something like that. I played in the game. I did all right. And I think I spoke to Bruce and he said, oh, we'll see if we can do something. Then in the meantime, I don't know whether it was Dave Whelan or somebody put a stop to it. So I ended up not going back to Wigan when Bruce was there, but he was only there for a short time anyway, wasn't yeah. he? Bruce is one of these... When he's in charge of a football club as a manager, he's in charge of everything. And I don't think Dave Whelan's remit was that he comes in as a manager. And that's it. And, and that's it, just comes in as a mm. football manager. And Bruce being Bruce wasn't going to be dictated to by a chairman. And I think he wanted to have the full run of the place. And I don't think Wigan Athletic were going to allow him to do that. And I think that's why he moved on so quickly. Yeah. He had the coaching at, um, I'm skipping ahead here, but it's just on my mind. And you went back to Bolton. Was it Gordon? Was he still the chairman at the time? When I went back, back coaching? Back uh, Bolton, yeah. No, it was Phil Gartside. Yeah. Just because he said, you're always welcome back. I wasn't sure if he'd... Yeah, no, no. When I finished at Wigan as a player, my final year of a contract, Paul Jewell and John Benson at the time said, go away, do what you want for a bit. There will be a job here for you. They didn't say when, but they said there will be a job here for you. So the summer started coming around and I, I, I was out of work completely. John Benson rang me and said, Paul Jewell wants to speak to you. Come in, he wants you to be the youth team coach. So that's how I started my coaching career. He said, take the under 18s. And then that progressed to doing the under 18s, the under 21s. And then whilst at Wigan, Paul Jewell left because he got him to the premiership, Paul Jewell. And I was part of his coaching team that got him to the Premier League. He was literally, as they call it, gassed out. It had it. It was emotionally too much for him. He'd done so much to get where they were. He said, "I need time out." So Dave Whelan gave him a handshake and said, "You can leave." Paul left. Chris Hutchins took over. The first day Chris Hutchins took over, he said, "Did you I need a word?" Went upstairs. He went, "I'm getting rid of you." I went, oh, "Cheers, Chris." Chris. <laughs> he said, "Yeah." He said, "I'm bringing. I'm keeping Lowy. I don't need your services." I went, you can't do that. He says, as of now, you're finished. I thought, right, let's hear about that then. So I went home and, and my father-in-law at the time... See, the, thing, the thing that gets me is, you're more angry about the fag in the car than that. <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? Oh, all right, we'll, all right, we'll, yeah. we'll see. Not Off fucking get on M6 and let's have a turn yeah. Off a pop. <laughs> yeah. Okay, no problem, so, we'll see. I went home and my father-in-law at the time, Peter... I said, Peter, I said, you're not believing. I said, um, I've just been sacked. I've been sacked. What for? I said, I don't know. I said, I've been told <laughs> not to come back in again. He went, right, no problem. Let's get a solicitor involved. So I'll, I'll never forget it to this day. Before we got a solicitor involved, he said, have you been sacked? Have you resigned? Or have you been made redundant? I went, Peter, I don't know. I've just been told by Chris Hutchins that I'm not needed at the football club anymore. He says, right, get in the car. So we rang Brenda Spencer, who was then the chief exec of the club. We went to the, to the stadium, said, can we have a meeting with uh, Brenda? Yeah, no problem. So we, we organised it, went into Brenda's room. Brenda sat down where you are now. And uh, Peter says to me, don't say a word. And he went, Brenda, has David been sacked? Has he been made redundant or has he resigned? And that was it. I didn't say anything, Peter didn't say anything, and Brenda went, uh, uh, 
I don't know. Peter said, right, thank you very much. So we got up and walked out and then got a solicitor and then took him for unfair dismissal. Because there's no warning, no written warning, no... Re these are... Because it was old school. Football's mm. a, a, yeah. a, a, a law to himself. Yeah. And that's how it was. So, to cut a long story short, I got compensated from Wigan Athletic. They wanted to take it to court. So we said, I'll go to court with it. And then they settled out of court two or three days before. I got a few quid for it. And then before I knew it, I went on holiday. As I come back off holiday, uh, a lad called Chris, Chris Sully, who was at Bolton Wanderers at the time. I put my CV about to people whilst I was, and he rang me and said, David, we'd like to see you. Would you come in to speak to us about a coaching role at the club in, within the academy? So I said, yeah. So I went to speak to Chris Sully, not thinking anything of it, but they were starting a new uh, thing for the academy where they got the kids in on a real regular basis, but it was on a full-time basis. So I had an interview and whatever, and then they said, uh, yeah, we just want you to do a practical examination. Can you come back and do a practical for us? I said, yeah, no problem. So they used their under-18s. And then it went well. Sam, Sam Allardyce was out at the time. He came and watched me do the coaching session. Went back in after a bit of feedback. Went home. Following day, Chris rang me and says, can you come in? So I went in. He went, there's a contract. We wanted to start on the coaching team for the academy, working with the under-12s, but on a full-time basis. Mm. So I said, he said, what do you think? I said, yeah, I'll take it. I'll do it. So that I, from being out of football for a few weeks, I was straight back in on the coaching side of it. And I think because of my connection with the football club, and I've always been a clean living lad, I've always kept a clean slate, never done anything, never dissed anybody, never slagged anybody off, blah, blah, blah. Um, they, I think they liked my character and they wanted that type of character to work with the young lads in the academy. And then it progressed from there. So I did the under-12s one season. Then I went to the under-13s, 14s, 15s, 16s. And now I was doing the 16s for about 12 months. And there'd been some misdemeanor with the under-18s manager at the time, which had absolutely nothing to do with me. So this particular person who was running the under 18s had been suspended for some reason so they then asked chris said to me would you take the under 18s on a on a, a trial not a trial basis just as a, an infill until this other misdemeanor has been sorted out i was thrilled with it I, yeah of course i will <laughs> definitely and i did it and we started doing well and we started getting a bit of success with the players but and the next minute they said right it's your full-time job you've got it so i ended up doing the 18s had some success with the 18, started bringing players through. And then another scenario with the under 21's coach. I can't remember who the manager was. Uh, they, 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 you're, not, you're not fucking planting these, are you? No, no. In the Bolton Echo. Yeah. Yeah, they, coming they, out of a nightclub, <laughs> six birds on it. Um. They moved, the under 21's coach moved on and they asked me to do that. And again, we had some, had some fantastic success with the under 20. Well, it was classed then as the under 23's. We won the uh, Premier League. Premier League Division One with them. We won the national final, Premier League national final with the under 23s. And a lot of those players, Zach Clough, Josh Feller, Robert Holding, went on to make decent careers. So I made the club a lot, not just me, but as an academy, we made the club a lot of money in a, in a short spell of time. And I think with the progression I'd done with the players, I thought, yeah, do you know what? People keep saying it, 
actually believe it, you could be a first team manager. And I thought with the, the problems the club had, I thought I was going to get that opportunity. I thought that opportunity was coming for me, uh, but it never did. So you, were you there when all the stuff were parking, so when the lads weren't getting paid yeah. and all of that yeah, stuff? Yeah, we went three or four months without getting paid, but we kept at it and we went in every day and worked our socks off to keep the club going. And we did, yeah. So we've seen some fantastic times, but we've also seen the bad times as well. And once you've experienced that and you come through it, you still want to be affiliated to it because it, it's part of your culture, part of your life, and you want to see that football club progress again. My eyes were tunnel vision. I will be manager of Bolton Wanderers' first team at some stage in my career. And that's why I, want, that's why I wanted to progress and do it the right way and keep everything the same for the football club, but be at top of the helm but keep it as a family club and put it in the right direction. And, and that, was, that was a massive ambition of mine to go and do it. And I thought, I, as I we say, about, how close did you get? I had a, I had a meeting. I had a, Is a this two, when the new ownership came in? Yeah, the new ownership came in. I was still at the football club and people were putting their applications in for the job because they were advertising for it. So I wrote my CV out. Obviously, the club knew all about me, but I did it. I conducted myself in the right manner. I put my CV in. I gave it to the secretary, then Simon Marland, who then passed it on to the people who, who needed to see it. And yes, I got an interview and I had an interview and I had an interview for two hours and 10 minutes. And I came out and I said to my Mrs. Joe, I said, I think I've got the job. And then unfortunately... Um, someone rang me from the club, somebody called Tobias Phoenix, who was at the club at the time and said, you've done great, but we're giving it somebody else. Um, the then chairman said to me, you've done great. You were right up there. There was only maybe one other person in front of you to get the job. Um, and that's how it happened. And then as soon as I got, as soon as I was told I wasn't got the, I hadn't got the job, I said to my family, I said, I've had enough. I said, I've worked my socks off to get to this point, to be given the opportunity. Mm. And I wasn't given it. And I thought, out of respect to the new people who were coming in, I don't think they want David Lee on board because I'm not that type of person and I never have been where I, are they looking over the shoulder. Yeah. I didn't want whoever it was because I didn't know who the man, new manager was going to be. And this is when Ian Everett? Ian Everett got the job, yeah. I didn't know it was going to be Ian, but I knew then, if I had, because I hadn't got the job then, you needed to step aside. I needed to step away from it because I was never going to be given the job. And I, and out of respect to the new staff who were then eventually, I didn't know who the new staff were going to be or the manager. They don't want David Lee, who's had an affiliation with the football club, looking over their shoulder thinking, what is he at? Because that's not me. I don't do that to people. And I would hate to have put anybody in that position to be thinking, oh, if they slip up, David Lee will take over. And I didn't want that because... I don't want to tar my reputation. Um, and, and that's why I decided to leave the football club. Did you not club. think, I carry on doing what I'm doing, you know, but I, then again, the, the focusing under, on what I'm doing. And if, if it goes wrong, surely I'm... The under 23 was disbanded. Right. So there was no 23's job there, there for no me. Do, you couldn't do, I carry do, on do There, what there was doing, no 23's. Because of the financial position the right. football club were in, did no under 23's. And if you remember, for that first twelve months, he didn't have. They had like a, a B squad, but my position was made redundant anyway. So my next progression was to be the first team manager, um, and then because I didn't get that, there was nowhere really for me to go. 
to be on the 23s level or first team level and no disrespect to the academy when you've worked at that level you don't want to then drop, drop back, back down the, the fantastic infrastructure with the academy but i felt then it was a backward step and a bit demoralizing for me and i needed a fresh start and to do something completely different was it a bit like when you're a schoolboy and you worked you put your heart and soul in everything to become a footballer and mm -hmm. you got that verdict or decision from Blackburn and you just thought right I've given off I'm yeah. going to walk away mm -hmm. is it a similar type of thing it was where? exactly yeah you've hit the nail on the head it was I if I do something I always do it to the best of my ability whether it's the to the maximum that people want or expect I always give everything I ever do for whatever I'm doing and I thought I'd given everything I possibly could to the last ounce of me but it just didn't get me over the line. So then I knew I needed a, a new start. But he did pack down your missus, right, love, yeah. get, get the bags packed, we're yeah. off sent eyes, yeah. and, fetch, and, and fetch your shovel. I've got, I've, got, I've got some seaweed to dig. <laughs> and I'm a cracking apartment above a green grocery. Yeah. <laughs> you can yeah. knit down, put, put shopping. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it was a brave decision to actually shovel. leave. <laughs> yeah. And at the time when I was at St. Ives, the Woolworths was right across the road, but well, that's closed down now, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? You can't even go for your penny mix, for no, your, your mix up, can you? mix, yeah. <laughs> but what was it very much, like Chris said, reliving that situation, it's time for a, a fresh Yeah, it, it, do you know what? I was gutted. It was a massive, massive <laughs> wrench to do it. But I think previous to that, I had had one or two bad experiences at the football club from previous managers where... I felt that, am I treading on their toes a little bit or do they look at me to think, well, if I slip up, I might take over. So I, I, the treatment that I, I received at that time was starting to get to me and I'm thinking it's now or never. If I don't yeah. get the job, then it's time to move on and go mm. out because I don't want to have those feelings yeah. again from another manager that previous managers had done to me. Um, and I thought it was a brave decision, but do you know what? I've had a fantastic time in football. I've done things that other people haven't done. I've achieved things that other people haven't done. I've loved every minute of it and I've got no regrets whatsoever. I had a fantastic career, fantastic time doing it. So you move on and you move forward and mm. I've always been positive and on what I'm doing now, I absolutely love it. And I, I like to see the football club doing well as well. And I've got a lot of affiliation with them and a lot of players there and people who are still on speaking terms. And I know because the way I've been, I'm always welcome back at the football club and, and that means a lot to me. We spoke about what, you, what you're doing now yeah. to us before and it's, even that's an unbelievable story. <laughs> yeah. isn't it? But me yes. and John are leaving here with a washing machine and a dishwasher. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Discount <laughs> prices as well. <laughs> I think we're going to microwave under me. Yeah, yeah. And that's why it's called Didsy's Domestic Deals. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, class, Triple D. Ask, ask me where I got that nickname from, Didsy. I was, that was going to be my, my parting question. Right. When I was 16 as an apprentice at Berry, we had play, a player called... Do you remember John Kerr, the striker? No. Big scouse lad, permed hair. <laughs> right. It's well, not narrowing you, it you, down. Is it a tash? Do you remember Lee Dixon? Yes. Yeah. Well, at Berry Football Club, I don't know if you ever went there in the, in the 80s, they had a boardroom where all the directors and chairman go but there was a full-size snooker table in there. 
And as apprentices, you could go in that you could go in there and play up till nine o'clock in the morning before the pros started coming in. We used to come in and play snooker. We never we had, we didn't have any money. So you, you play for, you're going to get the butties at lunchtime round at the, the local shop. So whoever lost had to go and get the, the butties and sandwiches. We were playing and it was crucial. It was a black ball game <laughs> and, and playing against a lad called Joey Rose. Big daunting figure. And we were playing and I had to pop the black and it was bang on nine o'clock. And in, in the boardroom, there was an old fashioned clock that used to ding ding like for the for the chime for the hours and it was chiming at nine o'clock and i'm taking my shot and the pros are all in waiting to play because they want to do it they don't they didn't warm up in them days mm. they just tra- uh, played pool snooker <laughs> straight out onto the training ground and john kerr and lee dix are in there and as i'm taking my shot they went come on didsy it's nine o'clock and that's all they said and all the pros were sat around and from the moment i walked out that dressing room at uh, that snooker room everybody started calling me didsy it stuck ever since and it stuck ever since (laughs) and all my mates call me didsy all my football mates call me didsy why even my son when he was younger used to call me didsy (laughs) my wife no no (laughs) i've I've been called better so when i was setting my business up i thought what what a ring to it ddd domestic deals And people call me Didsy, and that's what I answer to. And it, so you're selling white, all white goods and that now? Yeah, anything for your kitchen. Washing machines, dishwashers, integrated fridge, anything to do with any appliances. And I've been at it four years now, limited company. It's on fire. It, literally, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm doing it. And as I said to you previously... It's my time now. I can do it when I want to do it. Yeah. I'm not dictated to by... Your own boss. I am my own boss and I love every minute of it. Yeah. And it, it's given me a different lease of life and I'm loving every minute of it. And that's why I, people ask me, will I go back into football? I've had my time, loved every minute of it, but I'm loving the adventure I'm doing now. The it's website is well. website, Didzy. It Didzy's Domestic Deals. I'm on Facebook, Marketplace and eBay. Um, and I can even give you the telephone number as well. <laughs> it's very kind of you to offer under the cost listeners 50% off as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm sure yeah. you'll be over the moon with that. Oh, yeah. If I'm inundated with business, I'll give you 10% as well. <laughs> I'll go load the van. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, fantastic, that, mate. Thank you yeah, very much for, no, yeah. much for coming on. Brilliant. No, loved I loved it. it. No, I watch a lot of them, so I do like it. It's great crack. It really is, yeah. You've had some good lads on in. It's uh, it's a good watch for people. It really is. You want us to buy two apiece, innit? <laughs> <laughs> I, only need one, I only need one washing machine, did you? <laughs> Brilliant, mate. Top man, thank Cheers. you very much. Thanks a lot. Cheers, thank you. David Lee, gentlemen. The, the nicest man I've ever met. And it's a big statement, but I actually think you're right and I tell you what he's probably the guest that's done the best out of coming on because you've had a dishwasher and we've had a washer dryer uh, but if you're watching this David I'm still waiting on a fridge and a fridge freezer <laughs> for somebody I know I don't know if he's just slipped his mind but my washing machine is fucking incredible I can I, I, there's an app 
I can set it off when I'm on my way home. Can you? If I want to. I, I, I <laughs> obviously, yeah. I'm, obviously, I don't know how to do that, and I don't think I ever will. But <laughs> you can set it off as you're on your way back. What about the tablet? What? Like your your tablet? You put, obviously put that in before you go, don't you? Yeah. Well, why don't you just, when you put it in, just turn it on, and then when you come back, it's done because anyway. If you it? leave it in too long, it starts smelling, smelling. doesn't it? So if I'm going to back at five o'clock, set it off at half three. Yeah. This, you, you want that when you're open it just steamy yeah mm. just get them out full of you, steam I've got clean pots did did these digital did these domestic did, deals domestic deals <laughs> did, digital did, did, oh fuck knows good stories though as well yeah, yeah. my diary just got down to uh, oh on beach on, be- on beach. beach bomb yeah. <laughs> David Hasselhoff on beach yeah. and then gets a phone call and next thing is starting three months later <laughs> somebody cause I think I said Julio was in my top three players that I played with but people said who's your other two and who's your top three oh. why Play, the players, players you played with it's not a question that we're Craig Bellamy because you know because it's just a, such a standard question that you probably get at Q, yeah. Q&A's and stuff who's the best player you've played with I don't think we've ever talked about no. it Craig Bellamy obviously for his career uh, Peter Whittingham at Cardiff were incredible. Everybody says that, rest his soul. Know. Yeah, Peter Whittingham. Uh, the next best player I've ever played with. It's got to be Boothrod, surely. Eh? Joking apart, are we going to get Jay on? No. I've got his phone number and he's ready to be called. John, you're eating crisps in the middle of the Well, I'm, of course, you're talking about... Are you stressed? <laughs> <laughs> Comfort eating. Stress <laughs> <laughs> he just keeps a bag with him at all times. Should anybody bring anything up there? <laughs> makes her a little bit Pop nervous. Crisps. <laughs> Shit. You want to get him on? Right, you get him on, right? And I promise you, I'll sit there and not say one word for two hours. But what you said you this about Graham Westland. <laughs> <laughs> no. Who was not. your last one then? You did say that about Phil Brown. You said you'd go sick at Phil Brown, and then I don't know what you said about Wesley, but. The third best player I've ever played with. Yes. You have, you'll do your first, first two and then I'll... Uh, Tom Kearney. Probably Darren Huckabee. <laughs> We're hoping you're going to be a little bit longer than that. I'm going to Just a, don't think too much into it, John. Ricardo Fuller. Yeah, you have sang his prayers a lot in the past. Done with them? Done with them. <laughs> you know, what you Remember about when he time? bollocked me for having an apple doing a live <laughs> thingy? Live show coming up. Three then. Well, I said Julio. Oh, so, right, yeah. Tom Kearney and Huckabee. Live show coming up. Wrexham, Blackpool. We talked about it last Glenn time. Little on Wrexham, yeah. by the way. I was told you I sort of that. Yeah, we said last week, I think. Oh, did we? Yeah. <laughs> did we? Yeah. All oh, right, Glenn Little. No, Blackpool, the week Blackpool on Friday. next. It's interesting because we get a mixture of green rooms, don't we? At live shows and, and Blackpool was one of them. Does We've that... got an array of fancy dress in the like? Can we even do... call that a green room? Well, no, it, it was like half building site, half costume storage. But we like, really Winky's boots and stuff in there. In terms of venues, that was one of my favourites. Yeah, if you it was remember. A good, really good venue. So, if you fancy coming down to Blackpool, what's been your least favourite? Um, Coventry up there for me. That was a bad green room. That was the never meet your heroes. A little bit like a school hall, wasn't it? Yeah. There were like tables lined up when you went. But it's all on the the crowd as well, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Come and enjoy yourselves. Mm. Best green room? Dublin. Dublin. 
that luxury. was spacious. We had a widescreen TV. That was luxury, couches. that. Yeah. See, not so much the green room, but the food at Birmingham were decent. Yeah, complimentary pizzas. Pizzas, wings. Snapping and that. Emphasis on complimentary. Yeah. Yeah, the filth-free. <laughs> horrible, horrible chewing and like, the chicken were raw. The pizza and you were nervous were, as well, so you got through loads of it. The, the pizza were burnt. <laughs> no, it was beautiful, I'm only joking. <laughs> and if, uh, if you've not subscribed... I'm a, um, do you mean business? That was business? a bit assertive. Uh, yeah, then, it? We're like a bit it. assertive. If you've not subscribed, please do subscribe because we're very close to that 100,000. Do you know what? Less than 3,000 away. From the 100,000? From 100. So I know I started assertive, but now I'm going into a, a plead. <laughs> so if you want, if you want mine, subscribing, please. Even because I, I don't even know what it means if you get to hundred thousand. But get your kids' phones and just yeah, subscribe and just, on theirs. Yeah. And just turn notifications. Yeah. Just, just subscribe. By the way, the workhorse has passed his MOT. No, no. Oh. I'm telling you, he is bent to everything. Uh, he's Phil not. Mitchell. He is. I, I thought it looked like Phil Mitchell at that garage. <laughs> Fucking hell! With flying colours, he said. So there'll be a link in the description. Anybody got a car that's about to fucking break down? <laughs> fetch it to this garage. <laughs> offer twenty percent off, and it'll fly through its MOT. Oh, how is it passing? When we're going in, I ask no questions. Black Chris. smoke. Ask no questions. Just oh, get the certificate. On she the lives thing. to see another yeah. day. Past tick job done in it. And he's fixed the flipping three hundred thousand miles. Here we come. Replaced the fuse on the. Cigarette lighters. Oh, so oh, we can so all charge our phones. Charge our phones. Or have a cigar. Have a cigar, <laughs> if you want. Have a cigar in car. Fuck it. Right. Oh. See you next week. Huh? Yes. Yeah. See you next see week. You next week. We'll be back next week with another fantastic oh. guest. All right. <laughs> Corduroy again. Yeah. I was in a rush this oh, morning. We still going or can I have a crisp? Aye, enjoy yourself. <laughs>